Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. shows and we did the segment once on Lamborghinis 
And uh, so we had all these Lamborghinis in the car park of Channel 9. And at the end of the segment, it was the last segment of the day, the, the Lamborghini guy said to me, Jamie, do you want to take the Galano for a spin? I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. So he threw me the keys, and I was like, Gush, caught him in midair, and started to take my shirt off. And um, <laughs> who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? And I, um, I didn't. I got him, and I was just about to get him to the Galano. And uh, this guy said to me, oh, by the way, Jamie, uh, you can't take it out of the car park because of insurance. I was like, are you kidding me, dude? I said, where can you go? And he said, you can go round and around this area here. And it was a relatively large area, but not big enough to get out of first. So I put it on first, started it up. I mean, it's a $450,000 supercar. This thing's insane. And it's like, it scared me. You know, when I started, it was like, Rrr. So I started, I'm really jerky, and I'm driving around. It's like this. I went right around about three times around the Channel 9 car park. Incredible. You feel like you're lying on your back just about. You can hardly see out of this thing. You can feel every bump on the road. Amazing feeling. I got out of the car, gave him the keys back, and I was like, that was awesome. I was glad you enjoyed it. I felt slightly patronized. But anyway, I, I went, back to my, went back to my dressing room, took my bandana off, went back to my dressing room, and uh, I called a mate of mine because the most important thing about doing something impressive is telling someone. And <laughs> it's so sad. That's why Facebook exists, right? And um, it's true. It's not that you're on holiday. It's you can tell somebody you're on holiday. And uh, so I rang a mate of mine, Sam, who's a mechanic. I said, Sam, I've just been driving a Lamborghini Gallardo. And he was like, no way. Whereabouts? Like on the highway. And I said, damn, he asked that question. <laughs> I said, just hang up. Drive a Gallardo. Um, I said, no, it's actually, I had to just drive around the Channel 9 car park. He said, oh, shame. I said, yeah, shame. I said, Sam, I, I, I could only drive it in first gear. I couldn't get it out because I wasn't going fast enough. I said, what would happen if I kept it in first gear and kept driving it around? And he said, funnily enough, it would actually have more wear and tear on the engine, keeping it in first. More wear and tear on the engine if I don't take it out of first. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And, and I said, okay, what, what about if I just kept it in first and just kept going around and around, around and around the Chelmond car park in first, didn't take it out at first, kept it going around and around and around. He said, well, to be honest, he said the engine would, it would eventually die if you did it for me. And I said, what do you mean it's going to die? I took that long enough. I said, it's a $450,000 car. It's got a top speed of a just over 320. I said, it's a beast of a car. I said, it's one of the hottest production engines on the market today. I said, it's got all this ability, all this power, all this potential. But if I keep it at first and drive it around and around and around, it's going to eventually die. I said, why, Sam? And he said, because uh, that's not what it's built for. Ow. So here's the thing. You know when you hear God's voice and somebody else's voice sometimes? When he said that to me, it was like, oh, man. So if you feel like you're dying inside, chances are you might not be doing what you're built for. And I get this sometimes. I wish I never got it anymore, but sometimes you get that scream on the inside of you that, I'm built for more, but I feel like I'm in flipping first, going around and around. I feel like I've got the potential of a supercar, but I'm in first going around and around and around. So we know that we're built for more, so that's not so much the argument this morning. The argument this morning is 
what's keeping you in the car park. And I, I would love to say I had this situation in my own life 10 years ago. But a couple of months ago, <laughs> this is recently, because you go through this stuff. Man, I felt stuck in a car park. Things in the Word of God that used to excite me didn't excite me anymore. Now, don't judge me. Oh, you sinful person. It was a, I know all of you open the Bible and go, oh my gosh, you just fall on the ground and roll, roll around. <laughs> nothing, man. Nothing out of the Word of God. It was like, it was like you're getting handfuls of sawdust. It's going, blah, blah, blah. It was like, it was like, um, what's it? Tofu. It's like my wife making a tofu salad for dinner when you're starving on a cold night. What's it been a tofu salad? <laughs> and you can't even consume it. It just falls down the front of your shirt. <laughs> so it was tofu. And people would say to me, hey, read this book. Man, my life just got changed. Oh, read this book. And I couldn't even get that past the part on the back of it. I'd read the back of the book, and I'd get like three sentences in and go, I'm bored. I'm bored already. Nothing. Nothing. And I was like, God, what the heck is wrong with me? Nothing is exciting me. And I would think about things that used to excite me in my future. Maybe God's going to use me for this and this. Nothing excited me. And it's this weird spiral, mental spiral I had that was just going down. And I was like, God, you've got to help me here because nothing is exciting me anymore. And I'm getting nothing out of the word. And do you know what? I'd I, I love to say God spoke to me, but he, I don't think he did. I mean, he used this. But I basically said, oh, God, all right, if you're not going to say anything, stuff it. I'm not going to read what I think I should read anymore. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to read what I want to read. And I thought back to what, what was the book I first read when I first got to church that really flicked a switch inside me. And I thought it was this old book by a guy called Kenneth Hagin, and it was called The Believer's Authority. And I thought, I remember I read that, and that flicked something on the inside of me. You know, sometimes... Don't do what you think you should do. Do what's going to work, right? So I, I got a hold of this book, and I was in bed, and I started reading the first page, and I was like, oh, please, please get something out of this. I was begging my own brain. And I started to read it. And he said that it wasn't until he started to pray this prayer in the Word of God that the Word of God started to be revealed to him in a new and more powerful way. And it's a scripture, stay with me, it's a scripture, it's a prayer in Ephesians 1 that says, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. And I thought, Kenneth, if that works for you, I'm going to start praying it over my own life. He said he prayed it day in, day out, whenever he was walking down the street or, you know, in a cafe having a cup, he would pray, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so I can know you better. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so I can know you better. So I started to pray over my life. God, give me that spirit of wisdom and revelation so I can know you better over and over again. And about three weeks later, I got up in the morning to have another morbid prayer time with God. Honestly, don't judge me. But I was getting up in the morning just going, ah, anything? No, nah, nothing. But it was like, jeez. I just thought one morning I got up and just passed it. I was like that. But I started to read this scripture. What I've just said is the preface for what I'm going to talk about this morning. It'll be concise, it'll be tight, but it's an awesome revelation. And, and I started to read Luke 11, and I started to read about Jesus talking about prayer, because my prayer life was dead. It was dead, D-E-A, dead. It was non-existent. I, I'm not talking years ago, I'm talking months ago. 
And I started to revisit. And the whole thing just went like, it was like I'd read it before and it had four pages of murky, see-through pages on top of it. I couldn't see it. And it was like they got ripped off and I was like, wow, girl, runs. So let's jump in and see what happens. This is Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. I saw that and I was like, there's only really one reason you get someone to teach you to pray, right? Guys, you don't walk up to the skinniest guy in the gym and go, dude, what are you doing? What are you watching? Mate, mate, come in, I want to write it down. It's like, you don't do that. You don't ask someone the secret to prayer unless when they pray, stuff happens. Majorly, you don't ask someone at church to go, dude, what's your secret to prayer? You know when the, you've always got, you've probably got one or two people here that you know if you ask them, the job's going to get done in prayer, right? And so this disciple, obviously listening to Jesus, probably hiding in the bushes, said, Jesus, God teaches how to pray. Pray, because when you pray, heaven hears you immediately. And then you walk around all day, and it's like the power of God's falling on people. People are getting healed. Uh, lepers are getting in. Big blind eyes are seeing. All this crazy stuff is happening. So, so how do you pray to get all these incredible miracles happening in your life? What's the secret to prayer? And Jesus says, yeah, I'll show you how to pray. And this, following, is Jesus showing you how to pray to get your prayers answered. You with me? Oh, my gosh. What is keeping you in the car park? Here we go. He said to them first, he said, when you pray, say this, Father, Father, how would be your name? Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins because we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. I'll get back to that bit. Bear with me. And then he said this, and this blows my mind. It's like Jesus and the disciple. Okay, you want to hear my attitude to prayer? You want to hear how I pray? I'll show you how I pray. Oh, he says this. Suppose you've got a friend and you go to him at midnight. Middle of the night. And you say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Let's put it in modern day language. You go to your next door neighbor in the middle of the night. All the lights are off. You knock on his door and say, Dave, Dave. And he, and he goes, oh, well, Dave, a mate of mine, Murray, you don't know him, but a mate of mine, Murray, tomorrow, Wants to mow his lawns. Can I get your lawnmower off you now so I can drop it off to Murray's place so he's ready to mow the lawns in the morning? You go, that's tough. You're on drugs. It's an incredibly unreasonable request. Jesus knows this. Jesus is smart, right? He's saying it's like going to your friend at midnight and asking for a very, very un reasonable thing at a very, very unreasonable time. This is the attitude of prayer. You've got to kind of feel it. Okay. And um, the guy inside says, no, leave me alone. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. It's too late. He says, I can't get up and give you anything. He says, disciple, you want to know my attitude in prayer? I come to prayer like it's an unreasonable request at an unreasonable time, and the answer's already known. Oh, this is basically what Jesus is saying. Crazy. Here we go. Here we go. He says, I can't get up and give you anything. Then Jesus says, but I tell you, even though 
He will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, because he's your friend. He says, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. You say, you want to know how to pray? You want to know how I pray? I pray with shameless audacity. He's not going to open the door and give you that lawnmower in the middle of the night because he's your mate and he'll say, I'll do it tomorrow. Yet because of your shameless audacity, I need the mower. I need it for Murray. I need it. Murray needs the mower. Murray needs the mower. Take the flipping mower. Jesus said, that's my attitude in prayer. That's how I pray. This is Jesus teaching on prayer. This is not me teaching on prayer. This is Jesus teaching on prayer. You imagine the disciples going, wow, I knew you prayed bold, but this is crazy. Jesus said, this is the attitude I pray in prayer. I don't know if you've ever had a situation where you felt the Holy Spirit pray through you. And I don't want to get weird here or anything, but, but Jesus said, when, when the Holy Ghost is here, he'll help you pray. He's the praying machine. The Bible says, Digress slightly. He's the one who stands alongside. He's called the paracletos. It means he's the one who stands alongside in a situation of a court of law that would be a judge, and he would be your advocate, pleading your case to the judge. The Holy Spirit prays through you. We had a situation where uh, the first time my wife got pregnant, probably 15, 16 years ago, and we lost the first baby. And it happens. It, it sucks. It, it happens. It's awful. And uh, we were really bummed. And then she got pregnant again uh, about six months later, and, and we were so stoked, so excited. Ten weeks into the pregnancy, uh, I remember we were at a friend's place, and she came to the bathroom and said, Jamie, I think we're going to lose this baby as well. So we're bleeding again. And I said, oh, man, man. And uh, to make a long story short, um, God really spoke to my heart. I said, you know you have faith in God. She said, no, you have faith in God. You have faith in God. I have this argument in my head, but I know people better than me that have had more miscarriages than we have. And I couldn't get it out of my flipping head. It was on repeat. There's people better than you that pray more than you, that are more holy than you, that have had five miscarriages. Who are you to ask? And I felt like I, I got to work on that. It was like the Holy Spirit was right in front of me. And he kept saying, no, you have faith in God. No, you have faith in God. No, you have faith in God. Over and over again. It wasn't until probably a year later that I clicked that he was saying no to the argument. He was saying no to that recurring. So, no, you have faith in God. Just have faith in God. That argument's wrong. Anyway, um, we had the baby. She's 14 now, driving me crazy. So. Uh, <laughs> but, but I was praying a while ago in my room, praying for something important in my life, and I was dancing around everything. And I felt like, this come out of my mouth. I said, God, just you know, if you could stretch out your hand, do something amazing for me. If you do something good, I'd really appreciate it, God. You know, you're, I know you're for me, not against me. I'm the head, not the heart. And this came out of my mouth. And it was not me. And it, this is exactly what came out of my mouth. It said, You did it, baby! You can do this! And I was like, Jesus, that's a bold prayer. I thought, I would never say that. To God. It's a sacred commandment. You did it, baby. You can do this. And I was like, wow. About three times came out of my mouth. And I was like, oh my gosh. That's the Holy Ghost praying through you these bold prayers. Lord, Lord. Okay, let's move on. 
incredibly bold. Incredibly bold. I could jump back. Let me jump back. For those of you sitting here going, okay, how does the book prayer work? And yes, I'm, and, you know, some of you get stuck on some things when people preach, you know, and you, I can't move on, I can't move on until you deal with it. So I will. And I, well, it's like my shirt. Your shirt's not tucked in. I can't listen until you tuck it in. It's in. Did you see my knees? It's all right. Okay. Yeah, you like, you like that? Trust it. Yeah, okay. Got to fix it. Got to fix something. I can't hear. Okay. <laughs> this is it. I'll go back to Matthew really, really quickly. Jesus talking about the Lord's Prayer. I'll just touch on it really quick. Jesus is teaching here about prayer too. And he says, when you pray, don't babble like pagans. Don't babble like people who don't know God. Don't babble when you pray. God, is it Yeah, yeah. Don't babble. Because they think they'll be heard because of their many words. No, 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 no. God's not going to give it to you because you out-talk it. Okay? Uh, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I used to think that, said, your Father knows what you need, so you don't need to ask Him. He knows. He knows. So you don't. Okay. Mega Grace Nazis get on this. Anyway. But, you know, He knows. You don't even need to talk to Him ever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We got, sorry, I got mates. They don't like tracks up on. And uh, <laughs> so Jesus said, He knows what you need before you ask. You've got to ask. But He knows what you need before you ask. And then He says, So don't babble. He knows what you need before you ask. Talking about praying direct, bold prayers. And then He says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us. We forgive people. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us. Do you know what? When you, Jesus has no problem with eloquence, and he knows how to communicate. If he wanted to make this prayer a very eloquent, tricky prayer, he would have done it. But when you look at it in the vein of how he's teaching on prayer, I don't think so much. Now, I'm not going to tread on any toes. I, I'm just going to go with it. Maybe it's not so much here a a um, demonstration of a structure in prayer, but rather a demonstration of boldness. Now, there's nothing wrong with using it as a structure in prayer, but it's almost like if, if I read a script for the first time, and I was reading all through this, and then I got to our Father in heaven, and I went, then this is how you should pray, and I went, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I would have a director say to me, no, Toby, that's out of context. That, that's, no, he said, don't babble. He said, be direct, be bold in prayer. Why are you all of a sudden saying this like it's some weird you know, context thing? Interesting thought, huh? Let's go back. Okay, don't freak out. It's all right. You can still pray it. I'm just saying that Jesus, there's a demonstration on, you know, not to dilly-dally. This is what it says in Luke 11.10 in this part here. It says, don't bargain with God. Don't bargain with God. Do you ever do that? I've been good this week. Come on. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide-and-seek game we're in. Ooh, mama, seriously. Okay, next bit. So Jesus says to you, and this is this bit. So I say to you, ask. I love this. So I say, ask for it. You have not because you ask not. I say, ask, Jesus says. He says, ask. The Amplified says, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. You'll find not. And keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Check it out in the Amplified. I said to God, after I read that, I said, well, why is it going to take such a long time? And he said, you said it's going to take a long time. I was like, ah, oh, that was my religious head thinking, a 
was confusing boldness with just doing it for a long, long time. No. Shameless audacity. What's been keeping you in the car park? Because when I really talk to a lot of Christians, I find out very often it's their perception of God that's actually keeping them in a car park. Okay, let's move on. Jesus says this. It's almost like this first half of the scripture, Jesus is teaching us his attitude to prayer. This is how you pray. And the second half of the scripture, Jesus is fixing our attitudes to prayer. He said, this is the attitude you're praying. Now I'm going to fix your attitudes. Because I know some people are like, yeah, but it's not for everyone. It's not me. You don't know what I've been through, what I've done. Jesus says this. For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. The one who, who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And the one who knocks and keeps on knocking. The door will be open to you. I'm going to say this with a loving heart and with all respect. But you're not special. You're special because God loves you. But you're not a special case. You know, we hear this again, everyone, but then said, yeah, but not me. But just. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. He's showing you how to pray. Pray with shameless audacity. Oh, not me. No, pray with shameless audacity. But I can't. No, this is how you pray, Jesus is saying. And we got to know, no, I'm not a respecter of persons. Pray with shameless audacity. But you don't know. Jesus couldn't say this if it didn't apply to everybody. It's got to apply to you. Look at the, um, the woman with the issue of blood. This will mess with your head a wee bit. So Jesus is walking through the town. Hundreds of people around him. The Bible says that in, in, in one version that he's almost crushed by all the people trying to touch him and get healed. The woman with the issue of blood pushes through everybody, touches Jesus. Jesus is walking along that boom, boom, they run and goes, whoa, stop, whoa. He goes, stop. Who just touched me? It's, it's insane. It's an insane thing to say, right? And the disciples said exactly what you're thinking. They said, Everyone, dude. Everyone. Everyone's pretty much touching you. Everyone's touching you. And he said, no. No, I felt power go out of me. Somebody touched me. He said, crazy. I thought he would turn around and go, the timing was just perfect for somebody to receive a healing from heaven. It was you, woman, with issue of blood. Um, he didn't. He actually stopped and said, you touch me. It's like God sitting on the throne and saying, just pray. Almost, isn't it? We just pray. And the angel's going, everyone's praying. He goes, no, someone just got something. Just saying, shameless of death, God's no respecter of persons. Everyone who asks receives. Well, okay, let's go to the next one. Um, but is it God's will? I don't know if it's his will, it's because his will's so finite. Oh, it's, it's like you, you got to walk on it like a tightrope. Is it his will? No one can know it. Uh, you know who you are? Because I can get like this sometimes. Is it his will? What's he trying to teach us? I reckon this is Jesus going into patronization mode. He patronized these guys because I reckon he understood. You know, this message is G-rated. God's good rated. For those of you that are struggling on the inside, you're struggling with how good God actually is. He's good. He's real good. This is Jesus patronizing here. It's almost like, he, you know, he hears them thinking, but is it his will? What's you know? Is, is God good enough to get? It's like Jesus going, "Hey guys, God, good, devil, bad, God happy, devil sad." It's almost like as he says this. He says, "Okay, okay, okay. 
Is God good enough to give you something? Let's have a think. And he says this. We've got any fathers here? Probably a couple of hands went up. There's a few here. Good, good, good. Um, and, um, and he says, which of your fathers, let me, let me work this out. He said, if you had a son and he asked for a fish, would you miss So let's put it in modern day language. Your son, I've got a young son, Maverick, he's nine. If he woke up this morning and I said, dude, how are you, man? We good, good. You know, they stumble over and he said, can I have, what do you want for breakfast? He said, we fix. And I was like, I'm going to get fucking we fix. Yeah. Go over to the cupboard. He sits down at the, the, the breakfast bench thing. I go in the cupboard and next to the we fix is this ceramic pot about the perfect size for a cobra. And I go and I get his bowl. And it's, I pretend I'm going to the we fix. But instead I grab the head of this cobra, shove it in this bowl. And I bring it over. And I put it in front of him. And I go, there you go, And he goes, oh, good, thanks, Dan. I take my hand away and the snake's like, and he's like, ah! It grows and I go, ah, and and I'll be like, ha, 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 ha. You thought you were going to get what you asked for. You got a snake. (laughs) Honestly, but honestly, it's what he's saying. It's actually what he's saying. And then he says, you know, if you've got uh, another child, ask for an egg, give you a scorpion, you know, your four-year-old daughter, you want your boogie egg? It's like, you know, there's a snake. 
not the words in the church. It's like a snack. But you know what I mean. It's like it couldn't be that good. No, it's got to give good gifts. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Uh, in Matthew, it actually says good gifts. Here it says the Holy Spirit. And I know this is my favorite part. Because the last thing I think we always really struggle with is he won't give it to you. He won't give you a really good thing because you might waste it. You know, it gets in the head. He's not going to give me some of that because I might waste it. And, and Jesus says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit, like the best, the Holy Spirit to those who not want him, but ask him. There's only one way to get the Holy Spirit. If you baptize the Holy Spirit, you ask. You ask and you want. That's how you get the Holy Spirit. You can't and, and Jesus says, you know, how much more? Um, we get the Holy Spirit to those. We get the Holy Spirit to those who ask you. But I know people, you might waste it. I know people that God has given the Holy Spirit to will totally turn their back on him. Totally turn their back on the house of God. People of God. Nah, it's rubbish. Tons of rubbish. Holy Spirit, nah, don't believe it. Don't believe it anymore. God knew that down the track, there's a chance that they might turn their back on him and the Holy Spirit. But he still gave the Holy Spirit. You want it? You got it. Why? Because he's a giver of good gifts. Jesus actually said, I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you the Holy Spirit. He didn't even wait for the answer. He gave the Holy Spirit. And it's crazy. We get that one. But, but you might waste it. It's an insane way of thinking. I was watching MTV Teen Cribs with my kids the other day. Anyone know that show? It's about incredibly wealthy parents um, who have amazing houses and they just have this incredible stuff for the kids. And I was watching the show, Cover Team, and, um, and <laughs> no, but I was trying to philosophize over the whole thing. And I was going, why do these parents give these kids so much? And I thought, well, one reason, obviously, it's their nature. They're very generous. And then I thought the second reason, though, is that they seem to have access to an inexhaustible supply. Do they love their kids any more than anyone else? No, of course not. They've just got access to an inexhaustible supply, so that's why they love to pour out on their kids. And those of you thinking, yeah, well, God's not going to pour out on you because it'll ruin you. You don't ruin your kids by being generous. You ruin your kids by not disciplining. So it's, it's in this case of, like, he's not going to pour out. It's, it's insane. You're going to waste it. He's not going to give it to you. So your father, the Bible says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything is God's. It's like a mum taking a two-year-old daughter to the bench and, and her sitting down and the little girl makes the same castle with a bucket, puts a moat around it because that's how you make one, and then you go over to the water, you scoop out a bucket of water, you come back, and she's on her way back, and she's two, got the frilly hat, she's got the swimming nappy on, and she's a little singlet, rashy thing on. She's coming over, out of the ocean, gets a bucket, walking back to her castle, and she trips, and she spills it. And the mum comes running over and goes, You idiot! <laughs> you idiot! You had a perfectly good bucket of water! If the mum was like John Cleese, she would have She's like, what? No! And now it sinked into the sand. It's gone forever. You had it. You had the water. But now the water's gone. It's gone. And she's like, oh, what? You can imagine people standing around, you know, calling dogs. 
behind me. Why is that? And I'll explain that kind of the way Jesus does. Why is that stupid? Why is Because she could just go get some more. There's an ocean. God will give it to you if you waste it. He'll give you more. He'll give you more. You might be saying this morning, oh man, I'm, I've wasted so many opportunities. Go get some more. And he's good. Go get some more. I've got no joy left in my life. Go get some more joy. I've lost my peace. Go get some more. It's an ocean. He's not going to run out. He knows what you need before you ask. Get some joy back in your blooming life. Get the peace back in your life. Get the vision. Get the clarity back. God, I've been giving. I mean, don't put hands up. But who here feels like they've ever wasted what God has given at the best opportunity of this? God gave me this. He gave me a gift and a dream. I lost it. It's like dribbled into the sand. It's gone. He's not yelling at you like a two-year-old going, you wasted it. That's what Jesus said. That would be stupid. And here's another thing. He's kind of not surprised you did. He kind of knew what he was getting when he got you. So he's saying, just come get some more. We're going to finish up now and, uh, because my voice is just going But... Uh, just as we pray, let's close our eyes and just pray as we finish. Come, Holy Spirit, and bed comes. I just want to finish by saying this. I was reading the parable of the prodigal uh, son the other day. And we call it the uh, prodigal son, but I'm not sure if this is a story about a prodigal son. So much as it's a story about a wasted inheritance because I know what it's like to be away from God. But I also know what it is that has kept me away from Him. And it's a feeling of a wasted inheritance. Maybe that's you here today. You know, you know, you know the Lord, you come to church, but man, you are stuck in a car park. And you dare try and leave because you feel like you wasted what He gave you. He gave you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance, and you wasted it. He gave you a perfectly good vision and a dream, and you wasted it. He gave you peace, and you wasted it on things that did not give you peace. He gave you brilliant kids, and you messed up. Bring them up. Do you know what? The parable of the prodigal son the Bible says that he got his inheritance and he wasted it. We think just on wild living, but it wasn't. The Bible says it was wild living and a famine in the land. So it was partly his fault and it was partly just life. And he ended up feeding pigs. You might be in that place. And I, what I reckon kept him with the pigs was that continuing argument in his head. The thing that kept him in the car park wasn't my fault, but it was just kind of life. It was the famine that I shouldn't have wasted that. I did this wrong. But then that was that just happened. That, that was out of my control. And you've got this argument going around and around and around and around in your head. And it's got you stuck going around and around and around in a car park. You're going, I just want to get out. The Bible says he eventually came to a senses. And do you know what he thought to himself? Hang on a second. I could just go get some more. 
situation. I mean, if I go to my father, I could go just get some more. I could just get some more. It's funny, Jesus with this story never addresses the reasoning he was going through and what was keeping him away from his father. Because what the whole story was about was coming back to get some more. Maybe it's taking you a while to come to your senses. Maybe it's today. You need to go get some more. Maybe you've lost your peace, your joy, the love in your heart. You're constantly critical of other people. You want to get rid of it. My gosh, you, life used to be fun. You can come and get some more. Maybe financial things. You might have lost a home. Come and get some more. Get another one. Get another one. Well, God doesn't give you two chances. Rats! Here's an ocean. Go get some more. How much more does your father give in my hand to you good gifts? I'm telling you this morning, come back and get some more. It saved my life again, knowing that it wasn't over. In fact, it hadn't even started. I can come back and get some more. I can get a bigger vision. I can get more gifts. I can get more. I can get, there's a grace of God. I can feel grace of God in this place. Saying, yes, come and die. Come and eat and drink without money. You can't purchase it. You just come and get it. That's the grace of God here right now. Wow, this church, Pastor. This church, Pastor Chris. It's grace. Grace. I feel like the shape of it is almost in a G. It's like grace. Just float people walk in. They go, man, I'm not charged. I'm just I don't have all the answers. I've been living with peace. I just want to come back and get some more. I want to come back and get some more. There's God just pouring out His grace here this morning. And maybe you're here this morning too. You don't know the Lord. And when I'm talking about this wasted inheritance, maybe that feels like you and you feel like, Man, it's not just stuff I've wasted. not just dreams or hopes. I wasted my salvation. I felt like God he saved me, but now I'm miles away. I've turned my back on Him, and I want to come back. Well, I'd love to pray with you this morning. Well, maybe you've never been in church before. This is a new experience for you. And you've got to put it had to be religious and weird. It's not. It's graceful and awesome. Well, I'd love to pray a prayer with you, too, that invites the Lord into your life. I'll give you a couple of seconds now. This is a great time in this moment with everybody's eyes shut just to ask God quietly to yourself, where am I with you? Where am I with you, Lord? The answer's quickly. And if you know right now you're not in the right place with God, you're fallen miles away from Him, or you don't know Him at all, and you want to pray a prayer that invites Him into your life, right here, right now, with every eye bowed, every head bowed, every eye closed, Right now, this is between you and God. Just slip your hand up, and I'll see it. And I'll pray with you. Here this morning. In Jesus' name. Awesome. I'm not even going to get you to come down the front, because we're out of time. You can stand your seat. Every eye closed. Thanks. That's here this morning. Say, Jamie, I want God in my life. I want to pray a prayer that invites him into my world. Slip your hand up. We'll see it. And I'll pray this prayer with you. Young man, I've been away for way too long. It's time to come back this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Guys, 
just pray this after we all pray it. And you can pray it out to Father in heaven. Let everybody pray this. I don't want to miss this soul. Father in heaven, I ask Jesus into my life. I ask to be born again. Cleanse me from sin. Thanks for my amazing future. Fill me with the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.